Hello, my name is Danielle Casey, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Love Lutheran Church located in Austin, Texas. I would like to welcome you as part of our family as you join us for the audio portion of our Sunday morning worship service today. You may also choose to watch this service as a video broadcast by looking for the YouTube link in the description of the podcast. You may also go to our website, tllc.org, and look for the recorded Sunday worship service. Through this website, you can also find out more information about our congregation. Join us now as we begin our service with a musical prelude. Pastor Danielle Casey, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Worship Where You Are with Triumphant Love Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas. Just a few announcements and reminders before we begin our worship. We continue to gather your prayer requests for our Sunday services, so you may send those in or give us a call here at the church office. We also thank you for continuing to support our ministry through your offerings, whether you're doing that online or via envelopes. If you still need your 2021 packet of envelopes, those are available here. You can come by the church and pick them up during office hours throughout the week. And a final reminder of our annual meeting on the 31st at noon. We hope you will join us for that special meeting. And let us begin now our service with the confession and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose voice is upon the waters, 
whose mercy is poured out on all people, whose goodness cascades over all creation. Amen. Let us confess our sin, trusting in the abundant grace of God. Holy God, you search us and know us. You are acquainted with all our ways. We confess that our hearts are burdened by sin, our own sins and the broken systems that bind us. We turn inward, failing to follow your outward way of love. We distrust those who are not like us. We exploit the earth and its resources and fail to consider generations to come. Forgive us, gracious God, for all we have done and left undone. Even before the words are on our tongues, you know them. Receive them in your divine mercy. Amen. How vast is God's grace. Through the power and promise of Christ Jesus, our sins are washed away, and we are claimed as God's own beloved children. Indeed, we are forgiven. In the wake of God's forgiveness, we are called to be the beloved community, living out Christ's justice and the Spirit's peace. Amen. We sing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Compassionate God, you gather the whole universe into your radiant presence and continually reveal your Son as our Savior. Bring wholeness to all that is broken and speak truth to us in our confusion that all creation will see and know your Son Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I now invite our young people to gather around for a children's message. It's good to be with all of you today, wherever you are gathered for worship. I wanted to talk a little bit about what we're going to hear in our gospel lesson today. There's a lot happening. It's full of activity. And we hear some of the people gathered around who witness what Jesus is doing, the way he is talking and teaching and healing, say that he does so with authority. So I wondered, that's an important part of this story, if you know what that word authority means. 
maybe? Have a little bit of an idea? Well, it means that that person has the power or the right to tell you to do something, to give you orders or make decisions. I kind of think of it as someone who gets to be the boss of something or someone. So maybe it'd be easier for us to think of who are some of the people you encounter on a regular basis who maybe have authority over you. Maybe when you go to school, your teacher has the authority to give you homework and make sure that you do it. A coach has the authority to pick which position you might play in the game. In the church, the bishops, these two ladies here with me, have the authority to run our synod and the whole ELCA of which we are a part. And maybe you might encounter a police officer every once in a while. A police officer has the authority to write your mom and dad or ticket if they are going too fast on the roads. They might have authority because they are bigger or smarter or stronger, but those who have real authority have it for a different reason, I think, a bigger reason, something a little bit more important. The teacher, for example, I would say has authority because she loves teaching and you and wants you to learn. The coach has authority because he loves soccer and you and wants you to learn how to play. The bishops, I would say, have authority because they love the church and all of us and the work that we are doing together. And a police officer has authority because they love the law and safety and love us enough to keep us safe. So when people say that Jesus speaks and teaches and heals with authority, he does it because he is God's son. That is what gives him his authority. But also because he loves all of us so much. So yeah, sometimes some of the things he teaches us or tells us may be something that we don't want to do, kind of like doing our homework or running laps. But he teaches with an authority of love. So when he says things like, love your enemies. He is teaching us that out of love. When he tells us to pray for those who hurt us, he is teaching us that out of love for us and for all of God's people. So remember that this week, when someone with authority teaches you something new. Or when you hear God telling you to talk to that person you might not normally talk to. Or forgive your brother or sister for the way that they have hurt you. Jesus teaches us those things with authority, the authority of God and God's love. Will you pray with me? Our hands we fold, our heads we bow. It's time to talk to God now. Dear God, Thank you for Jesus, who is our boss, but is a boss filled with love. Amen. We turn now to our scriptures for today. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more or ever again see this great fire, I will die. 
Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name, a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Good morning. I bring you the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.
We now welcome Pastor Allison Pryor of our Southwestern Texas Synod office as our guest preacher. And so it begins. Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee enters the synagogue on the Sabbath and begins to teach. What did we hear in the readings a couple of weeks ago in the Gospel of John? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The same man of Nazareth is making disciples out of fishermen with a mere invitation to follow him and become fishers of men. Simon, Andrew, James, and John are on board. That's a pretty respectable headcount for any posse, but we know eventually more come. With one leader and four followers, they enter Capernaum and the four discover what indeed can come out of Nazareth. They witness Jesus engaging in teaching and interpretation that is beyond the offering, the usual offering of the scribes, and all are amazed at his authority. You know, when I think of this scene, I imagine one of those Westerns or those pop culture films where the new kid comes to town and everybody looks down on him until he whips out the six shooter or the guitar and blows everyone away. Yes, Jesus has indeed blown everyone away. They are all amazed according to Mark's gospel, but he's not done yet. As is the style of this account in Mark, no time is wasted in revealing the power and authority of the man from Nazareth. Just as the scribes are moved off their pedestal, a man enters who is filled with an unclean spirit. The duel begins with the unclean spirit claiming the power of naming who Jesus is. The Holy One of God. We know from other accounts that Jesus will name who he is in his own time making this parlay by the demon especially sharp. Jesus silences the unclean spirit and extracts it from the body of the man. You know, it's a good idea to pause right here for a minute and imagine the significance of this act. What is the place of people like this in the society of the time? Well, what we know for sure is that sick and lame people or anyone thought to be unclean, are kept by the strictest purity laws away from anything considered sacred. And that gathering place was surely sacred. This man enters the place, likely an open area, not like the synagogues we're used to seeing now. It was an open area where people gathered, and this man inserts himself into the, in the midst of this discussion by the Holy Scribes. To really get a feel for how this was, imagine a child coming in from playing in the yard, probably in some mud, and immediately reaching into a bowl of snacks that everyone is enjoying, muddy hands and all. What reflex do you imagine having? Well, I know from personal experience, in a house full of boys, that I would have screeched something and jumped between the boy and the bowl. This does not happen. Instead, Jesus engages with the man and hears the words of the unclean spirit. Jesus is already setting himself apart as a figure of authority by allowing this man to enter the discussion at all. In a group of Jewish people gathered at what would be considered a holy place, Jesus takes it upon himself, a stranger, to let the man into the discussion, though his very presence in this state filled with the unclean spirit breaks sacred law. The laws that are governing the authority of the very place where he is standing. I wonder, I wonder today, 
You know, even those of us who claim an understanding of Christian faith, do we really understand the nature of the authority that Jesus is demonstrating in this reading? Do we really know the difference between the authority influenced by worldly circumstances and the authority of a God that created us and loves us, usually in the most unlikely ways? I wonder about the times in my own life that I have given up authority over myself, like these scribes, to a power that laid false claims on me. It doesn't have to be dramatic, like the exorcism of a demon. I can get caught up in the power of vanity, pride, and oh, that dreaded ego. Sometimes I let the power of my fears and anxieties gain authority over me. Just ask my children how often they have to say to me, don't worry, mom. Yes, authority is a slippery thing. It takes many forms, but each and every variation is a trade-off between having power and not having power. Authority cannot be had unless it is given or taken. This is what makes it so slippery. God made us and granted us the power of free will that is, the power over ourselves to make our own choices. Yep. Right from the start, though, as is written in the book of Genesis, we had a hard time with this power over ourselves. You know how it went. The serpent, the apple, dot, dot, dot. But don't we live in this back and forth every day? It's not just about the serpent and the apple. Every single day we surrender our authority to institutions, to other people. People and institutions who we believe are trustworthy or that have our best interests in mind or are legitimately drawing some sort of authority from another authority. You know, it's as mundane as the cereal aisle. Have you ever noticed that even the most colorful and sugary cereal will tout the benefits of the USDA recommended essential vitamins and minerals in the box. Oh, and the other one, lately, calling something whole grain is supposed to mean it's healthy. Well, I'm here to tell you, there are lots of whole grains that are just starch, which as far as your body is concerned is just sugar. Yet, you give us enough official seals and quotes from experts and who knows what we might eat. One slow walk down the cereal aisle and we've given up our authority over our own health. But what about more serious choices? Like being the passenger in somebody else's car. Make that a car full of young people, maybe high schoolers going out together on the weekend and the idea of authority is a little bit clearer. That driver has authority over every single life in that car while that driver is at the wheel. The driver's choices that night matter to all of them. Relationships are another slippery spot for authority. The very essence of an authentic, connected relationship is giving up power and being vulnerable to another person. But there can be a point in some relationships if one side demands more power than is healthy. Too much vulnerability can be dangerous. I'm sure that we've all had relationships that we might call one-sided. Or maybe you've had a friend that tried to tell you what to do all the time and expected compliance or they were out of there. In this beautiful, broken world, the claims on us are endless. 
for this reason, I have to admit that, that I feel some compassion for those scribes in our story. What they are doing in this experience repeats itself in history and is all around us in present day. They're just doing their jobs as they're expected to do. They're the elite scholar lawyers who relay the teachings of Jewish law. A good way to think of them is the bearers of a recorded set of instructions handed down through generations to be shared without the benefit of a printing press or the internet. They are it, and it's their job to relay the sacred law to all who gather. But you know, a complicated web of history and a whole lot of assumptions came before that day in Capernaum when Jesus exploded into the discourse with his teachings. For generations, scribes were tasked with dutifully relaying the law based on the authority of God as stated in the scripture. At least it started that way. By the time Jesus stands in Capernaum, those human tendencies toward amassing power and greed and personal comforts, they've blurred the lines between the laws of the empire and the laws that were inscribed on the tablets and expanded on in Leviticus. But to be fair to the Jewish people, they were in a situation of pure survival. They were living under the boot of the Roman Empire. And this does play a large part in the distortions and the weaving and the back and forth that became of the sacred law on the tablets. And this is why when Jesus entered the space where people gathered to learn about the teachings of Jewish law, that his speaking was so extraordinary. He was not echoing a long prescribed and memorized and accepted, well-known set of teachings. Though the details aren't included, by showing the ability to interpret the law instead of simply repeating it, he was gaining authority over their understanding of God. To say the least, this man from Nazareth of Galilee is a compelling teacher. Thankfully, he was Jesus the Christ and not someone else. But you know, this story is not about Jesus being compelling or charismatic. It's about power. It's about authority. And it's about who people follow then and now. Look at the discussion with the unclean spirit. Did you notice that the spirit takes on the pronoun us? And he says, have you come to destroy us? He's implying that the scribes and the other locals who'd gathered were with the Spirit. What can we understand then from the silencing and removing of this unclean spirit that claims to be allied with the scribes? Well, it's clear. Jesus has started his ministry in this gospel account which is the foundation for all the other gospel narratives by placing the stewards of the Jewish establishment in relationship with an unclean spirit. Make no mistake, Jesus has come to rebel against the authority humanity has claimed for itself with false idols, political power, and material wealth. Remember that at this time, leaders of the Jewish governing elite were the hands of the Roman Empire. This man from Nazareth of Galilee is not interested in the authority of that empire. 
He has been sent by the King of Kings, who led the chosen people to the Promised Land. He has come from a higher authority, the highest. When we say that we are followers of Christ, when we lift the bread that is the body and eat it, when we drink the wine that is his blood, we are leaving our boats and nets behind to join the fight for God's authority in the world. We are binding ourselves in fidelity, unmistaken fidelity to God's Son. God's Son who rebukes unclean spirits instead of seeking their power. Who says no more to the corrosive expectations and demands of a dominant empire cloaked by inhumane and unjust laws. A son who hears the cries of children above the din of our messy civilization and says, come to me because you are first among all. A son who sees the person on the edge of the crowd, the suffering, the poor, the sick. He looks past the rich and powerful and heals all of them and comforts all of them when others have simply abandoned them. The son, most importantly, who was a nobody, who came from a place not known for anything good and started a revolution for God's authority by speaking truth to power and humbly surrendering to death only to rebuke it and rise in glory. This is who we follow. So, yes, authority is a slippery thing. The idea of it can hypnotize us into believing that we are powerful, that we can make choices that are not really ours to make. When I am faced with a choice between the authority of God and all of those claims of authority in this world, I pray that like the scribes and the beloved four who were there, that I too am awestruck and I follow the one who calls me by name. Amen.
Trusting in God's promises, we pray for the church, those in need, and all of God's creation. For the mission of the church, that it may bring the hope and love of Christ where there is despair and weariness. We pray especially for our congregation that we might together grow a generous faith by forming faith from roots to fruit this year. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all elected officials, that they may serve with wisdom and courage to provide for the needs of all people. We pray especially for bipartisan solutions and cooperation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the care of creation, that we may faithfully manage the earth's riches for future generations to enjoy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those in the medical profession and public health services, that they may have strength, wisdom, and a spirit of hope. We pray especially that COVID vaccines will be effective and distributed equitably, especially in poor communities and nations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who are suffering, that God will heal the sick, guide those seeking employment, protect the homeless, and comfort the grieving. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For these specific needs of our congregation, we lift up prayers of thanksgiving for our triumphant love ministry, especially for our congregation as it holds its annual meeting today. May we move into this new year inspired by the growth you have worked in us, and may we bear fruit in the world. We pray for those in need of healing, especially for Myron, Bobby, Cole, Gavin, Mylan, Grace, Jess, and Margie. For those in need of comfort, especially Elna and Haley. For those in treatment for cancer, especially Lene, Barbara, Bob, Donovan, and Doug. And we pray for those who mourn the loss of loved ones especially Fred Gramp and the loss of his brother, John, and for these things in our hearts and minds now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers in the name of the Holy One of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And the peace of Christ be with you always. Please share a sign of Christ's peace with those around you and with those you meet throughout your week. To give to our ministry, please mail in or drop off your offering. You may also give online by visiting our website at tllc.org or scanning the QR code below. Together, we are Forming Faith from roots to fruit. Give me your heart, give me your song, sing it with all your might. Come to the fountain and you can be satisfied. There is a peace, there is a love you can get lost inside. Come to the fountain and let me hear you testify. Into the wide canyons of you, oh. 
Let us pray. O oh God, receive these gifts as you receive us, like a mother receives her child, with arms open wide. Nourish us anew in your tender care, and empower us in faithful service to tend to others with this same love. Through Jesus Christ, our saving grace. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, we pray as Jesus taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And receive the blessing. God, the creator, strengthen you. Jesus, the beloved, fill you. And the Holy Spirit, the comforter, keep you in peace. Amen. We sing.
And a final reminder, if you are watching this on Sunday morning, the 31st, our annual meeting is at noon today. You should have received an email with information about joining us for that Zoom meeting. And now, go in peace. Be the light of Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our message today. We are Triumphant Love Lutheran Church and are affiliated with the Southwest Texas Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. We are located in Austin, Texas. You can follow us on our website, www.tllc.org. We look forward to you seeking us out as our podcasts progress and further episodes are added. You have a great day, and may the Lord be with you.